Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. This is Jeremiah's description of the Messianic age of the return of the king. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 150, Jeremiah, Tolkien, and the Return of the King. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In the 1930s, J.R.R. Tolkien was contacted by the publishers in Germany overseeing the translation of his best-selling book, The Hobbit. The company had a question. Was Tolkien of Aryan descent? In an amazing letter, Tolkien replied as follows, quote, I am not of Aryan extraction, that is, Indo-Iranian. As far as I am aware, none of my ancestors spoke Hindustani, Persian, Gypsy, or any related dialects. But if I am to understand that you are inquiring whether I am of Jewish origin, I can only reply that I regret that I appear to have no ancestors of that gifted people. My great-great-grandfather came to England in the 18th century from Germany. The main part of my descent is therefore purely English, and I am an English subject, which should be sufficient. I have been accustomed, nonetheless, to regard my German name with pride, and continued to do so throughout the period of the late regrettable war in which I served in the English army. I cannot, however, forbear to comment that if impertinent and irrelevant inquiries of this sort are to become the rule in matters of literature, then the time is not far distant when a German name will no longer be a source of pride. End quote. Tolkien's letter is fascinating, and it inspires us as Jews to study his writings. The Hobbit was followed by his epic fantasy series, The Lord of the Rings, one of the best-selling in the history of the world. There are many themes that make up Tolkien's masterpiece, but there is one that strikes a profoundly biblical note. The story of a long-lost dynasty of kings that will one day return to redeem the world. The prophecies of Jeremiah are not presented in chronological order. They go back and forth between the reigns of the final kings of Judah, Yehoiakim, Yehoiachin, and Tzidkiyahu. In chapters 21 through 23, the prophet speaks first to one of these kings and then to another. But his message is consistent. The descendants of David have violated the legacy that they bear. As we have argued in past presentations, one of the reasons that David is the biblical political actor par excellence is due to the fact that for all his astonishing success, he seeks to illustrate for Israel that there is always a moral and spiritual standard that transcends the state and its powers. Thus, his great dream is to construct the temple of God at Jerusalem's highest point. And though this dream is denied its fulfillment in his lifetime, from Solomon on, the temple stands as an eternal reminder of the perspective that David embodied. Jeremiah warns that David's descendants, in contrast to their ancestor, have grown arrogant, imperiling the royal future. Chapter 21, verse 11, continuing through verse 12, and then chapter 22, verse 1. And to the house of the king of Judah say, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of David. Thus saith the Lord, Execute judgment in the morning, and deliver him that is robbed from the hand of the oppressor, lest my fury go out like fire, and burn, that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Thus saith the Lord, Go down to the house of the king of Judah, and speak there this word, and say, 
Hear the word of the Lord, O King of Judah, that sittest upon the throne of David, thou and thy servants and thy people that enter in by these gates. Thus saith the Lord, Execute ye judgment and righteousness, and deliver the robbed out of the hand of the oppressor. And do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, nor the widow, neither shed innocent blood in this place. For if ye do this thing indeed, then shall there enter in by the gates of this house king sitting upon the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, he and his servants and his people. But if ye will not hear these words, I swear by myself, saith the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. Jeremiah is saying that the descendants of David have not proven worthy of their lineage. Therefore, the unthinkable can occur that the throne of David will sit empty, unfilled. Jeremiah turns to a man called Shalom, which according to Rashi is another name for Zedekiah, the final ruler of Jerusalem before the destruction, the last Davidic king to reign in Jewish history. Verse 11. For thus saith the Lord regarding Shalom, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, which reigned instead of Josiah his father, which went forth out of this place. He shall not return thither any more, but he shall die in the place whither they have led him captive, and shall see this land no more. If this is a reference to Tzidkiah, Zedekiah, then the reference to him never again seeing his land has a bitter emphasis, because a terrible fate awaits Zedekiah. Caught fleeing the conquered city by the Babylonians, he is forced to watch his sons slaughtered before him, and then his own eyes are put out before he is taken to Babylon. As we have mentioned in earlier lectures, the medieval Sephardic exegete Rabbeinu Bachaya gives us a haunting but incredibly instructive device to summarize the story of the Davidic dynasty. There are around 30 days to the lunar cycle. The moon waxes and achieves its fullest at 15 days. It then wanes, and in 15 days from its fullness, it is gone. There were, Rabbeinu Bachaya writes, 15 generations from Abraham to Solomon. It was Solomon who built the temple, bringing about the most radiant moment in Jewish history the Davidic dynasty, and the people of Israel at its fullest. But David's line descends from there. Fifteen generations from Solomon brings us to Zedekiah, the last Davidic king of Judah, the darkness of the night betokening his own blindness. But the moon, we know, shows the faintest, palest luminosity one day after disappearing. And similarly, Jewish hope in the return of David's dynasty did not die, and Jews continue to see in the moon's renewal a sign of a dynasty that will one day shine again, a king that will one day return. It is with this in mind that the biblical reader cannot help but think of how the story of the house of David and the biblical description of it might have inspired J.R.R. Tolkien. For Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings tells of a great line of kings that once ruled the land of Gondor and its capital, which was ultimately named Minas Tirith. When the dynasty disappeared, a king was not taken from another family. The leader of Gondor from then on was called Steward, and the throne of the realm was left demonstrably vacant. Thus Tolkien's description of the room where one would find the steward of Gondor. Quote, At the far end, upon a dais of many steps, was set a high throne under a canopy of marble shaped like a crowned helm. Behind it was carved upon the wall and set with gems an image of a tree in flower. But the throne was empty. At the foot of the dais, upon the lowest step, which was broad and deep, there was a stone chair black and unadorned, and on it sat an old man gazing at his lap, end quote. This was the steward, who must always sit not on the throne, 
but next to it, highlighting the hope of the people for the return of the king. Tolkien further describes how the steward was once asked by his oldest son, quote, How many hundreds of years needs it to make a steward a king if the king returns not? And the steward replied, quote, Few years may be in other places of less royalty. In Gondor, 10,000 years would not suffice, end quote. From a Jewish perspective, this is a literary parallel to what we pray every Shabbat in the blessing of the Haftarah, one we have mentioned before. Samchenu Hashem Elokeinu Anavi Avdach Uvamalchut Beitavid Mishichach Make us glad, Lord our God, with the prophet Elijah your servant and with the kingdom of the house of David your anointed. May he arrive soon and bring joy to our hearts. Let no stranger sit upon his throne, nor let others continue to usurp his glory. For you swore by your holy name that through all eternity his lamp will never go dark. Blessed are you, Lord, shield of David. Thus, the Jewish people, for thousands of years, predicted that one day the heir to the Davidic dynasty would show himself, bringing about, if we may utilize the title given by Tolkien to the conclusion of the Lord of the Rings, the return of the king. As we read Tolkien's description of the steward of Gondor, awaiting the return of the king, it is fascinating to note that the Jewish theologian Michael Wyshegrad once published an article arguing that the state of Israel, without in any way changing its democratic nature or the main parts of its political structure, should officially call itself a constitutional monarchy, much as Britain is a constitutional monarchy, with the important difference being that unlike Britain, Israel would not have a reigning monarch and instead would proclaim that it continues to await the king's return. Wishagrad wrote that this would give voice, quote, to the deep Jewish longing for Davidic restoration, expressed so frequently and with such deep emotion in the daily liturgy that Jews have recited for thousands of years, in which we beseech God to see a descendant of David on the throne of Israel, end quote. Wishagrad's article is fascinating, and we have sent you both the link to it and to my own reflections upon it. For now, let us focus on the deep longing for Davidic restoration that we find in our own text in Jeremiah. The prophet who witnesses the fall of David's house, who warned the Davidic kings what will occur if they continue to prove themselves unworthy of their lineage, this prophet simultaneously follows his warnings with a description of the glory that is yet to come. Chapter 23, verse 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. This is Jeremiah's description of the Messianic age, of the return of the king. And reading this passage in Jeremiah, it struck me, and a bit of Googling revealed, that I was not the first to notice this, that this passage about the righteous branch of David may be part of what inspired Tolkien's symbol of Gondor which is a miraculous white tree that was planted in the capital, Minas Tirith. The tree, we are told by Tolkien, had long died, but it was, quote, left standing until the king returns, for no seedling could be found, end quote. And then, at the end of the book, and for those who have not read The Lord of the Rings, I apologize for ruining it for you, a descendant of the royal line, Aragorn, son of Arathorn, battles against evil and returns to reign. And then he finds that, quote, out of the very edge of the snow, there sprang a sapling tree no more than three foot high. Already it had put forth young leaves long and shapely, dark above and silver beneath, and upon its slender crown it bore one small cluster of flowers, 
whose white petals shone like the sunlit snow. End quote. Thus the tree was replanted by the king, and Tolkien writes, quote, In his time the city was made more fair than it had ever been, even in the days of its first glory. And it was filled with trees and with fountains, and its gates were wrought of mithril and steel, and its streets were paved with white marble. End quote. For us, ladies and gentlemen, the Messiah has not yet come, but the great capital city of Jerusalem has, to a great extent, been miraculously rebuilt. The Jewish longing for David, the constant honoring of the legacy and throne of David, is a way of expressing all that David embodied, that there is a God that directs the affairs of men, that power is always subject to God's transcendent standard, and that God can be found, first and foremost, in the miraculous story of David's people and in the history of David's city, Jerusalem. And if the biblical description of the long-lost Davidic line and of the return of the king inspired Tolkien, then that should remind us that it is the story begun in the Bible and continued through Jewish history that is more wondrous than the Lord of the Rings, more incredible than Harry Potter or any Arthurian legend, with the only essential difference being that our story is true, a truth to which our ongoing wondrous chronicle continues to testify. We therefore conclude episode 150, halfway through our journey through the Bible, with the words given to us by Tolkien predicting the return of the King of Gondor. For though these words were composed for a work of fiction, it may well be appropriately applied to a people whose story is more wondrous than any work of fiction ever composed. Tolkien wrote, All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. So may we see this fulfilled speedily in our days. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.